Hello, server town. Let's jump on that server train and ride into the wonderful world of sobriety. You can find all our podcasts and more at SoberTownPodcast.com. My name is Bill W. and my co-host and partner is Kira. Hello. This is the fourth episode of the Uncovering Happiness podcast. Our hope for this podcast is to share stories about uncovering happiness so that you might do the same in your life. Today, we have uh, Paul with us. Paul is a coach for software development managers. He teaches software development managers how to balance the development of software and leading the team of developers. You can check out his website at paulecoaching.com. That's paul, the letter E, coaching.com. And before we begin, we'd just like to take a moment for mindfulness to transition from what we were doing before to this present moment, and also to remember the people we've lost to addiction or suicide, to send out compassion and hope for those who are touched by the suffering from mental illness and addiction, and self-love for ourselves. It'll just be about 30 seconds. Join with us. All right. Thank you so much. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Kara. Hi, Bill. How are you guys? Great. Great. So Thank we're you. gonna we're gonna jump right in with our first question for you. All right. What does uncovering happiness mean to you? For me, um, yeah, it's been kind of a, a I don't want to say a challenge. I guess maybe a challenge for me. Um, I I grew up a lot with a lot of uh, shame, I guess is the way to put it. Um, just the way my my mom, you know, and her challenges, she she kind of used that as a, a lot of as a, a sort of discipline tool for me. Um, so kind of getting over that has been a, a lot of what uncovering happiness means for me, and trying to process what that has meant for my life. Uh, and some of the things that have kind of helped me is, uh, you know, I, I try to do a, a, a daily meditation process um, and it helps me a lot to focus on gratitude. Um, you know, and thinking about the things that I have in my life and uh, you know, the fact that I've had a, a fairly easy life um, and, and just focusing on what I have and, and being grateful for it. Uh, more recently, I, I've kind of realized that falling in love kind of with, you know, the daily ins and outs and, and having a daily process uh, is giving me something to kind of hang my hat on and, and kind of be proud of and, and be happy about rather than always trying to strive for what's next. 
uh, and strive for these larger goals. And, you know, I think setting, setting big goals for myself has always been a bit of a struggle as well. So kind of seeing that kind of day to day in and out, you know, getting up at the same time every day and, and getting some, some exercise in and being able to do that consistently, um, that those, those few things, uh, have really helped me to figure out, you know, what does it mean for me to be happy? Mm. That was good, Paul. That was good. I don't know if you rehearsed that, but (laughs) I I had a couple of notes, but (laughs) that's awesome. So I, what you said there kind of at the end made me think about something here and I were just talking about last night, at least I was talking to her about it (laughs) and it, it has to do with like the, the daily routine and how how that does make me happy and it it does give me structure to my life which is something that i'm not really used to but then on the other side i find it hard when i don't do those things that part of my daily routine then i get kind of like down on myself like oh man i didn't do this today like i should have done it why didn't i do it yeah. Do you ever have that experience? Um, you know, I, I did early on. Um, and I think having that sort of mindfulness meditation practice has helped that for me a lot where, you know, I can, I can think, oh, you know, I, I missed that today. And then I kind of just have to think, okay, that happened, you know, and let's move on and get back to, to where I, where I want to be. Right. And, and I've learned uh, I've learned over time, you know, I'm 49 now. So I've learned in the last number of years to not beat myself up about kind of missing the here and there, you know, mm. uh, as long as it, it, you know, when it, when it becomes a pattern of, of not doing the things that I want to do, that's when, you know, I know something's off and I need to spend some more time thinking about what it is that I'm doing and, and what it is that I want. Oh, it's so interesting. That's a, it's a really good insight of, you know, how to not take, not have like a, a little, little negative thing happen and then let it explode into something that is larger, that doesn't need to be larger. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. I tend to be a fairly patient person. It kind of takes a lot to get me rattled. So uh, <laughs> maybe that's, that's part good. of that. I think I need to learn some patience in my life. That's, that's, <laughs> All right. So next question, Paul, are you ready? Yep. So who are you now? Where are you on your journey to uncovering happiness? You know, it feels like I'm, I'm pretty far along that journey. Um, you know, there's always, always things could be better, right? Um, you know, I'm a dad. I've got three kids. My oldest is a senior in high school. My youngest is uh, just turned nine. Uh, and so I have learned to really, like, that's what's important to me, right, is my family and my kids. Um, and I take a lot of pride in just the fact that I, that I can think that way and, you know, my goals 
most of my goals that I do have for myself revolve around my family and my kids uh, and their, you know, their happiness going forward in life. And, you know, just making sure that they are um, prepared for the future and set up for, for success. Um, and so I feel like in the last 17 years that I've been a parent, you know, I've been learning a lot about, about how to do that. And I think I'm finally, not that I always do it right, <laughs> but I'm finally at the point where I, I, I can, I can see what the right things are to do. And I, I can see when I'm not doing them and it's easier for me to kind of correct and, uh, you know, get to the place where I feel like, okay, I can see the way through now and I can see how I can, how I can help them be happy and which in turn, you know, helps me with my frame of mind as well. And so, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty close to, to where I want to be, you know, I'm someone who always is struggling with what's next. Um, Mm -hmm. I tend to get bored pretty easily. Uh, you know, that happens more in my, in my professional life than in my, my home life. And so I have a lot of, I guess, angst maybe about what I should be doing professionally. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm focusing on now, as far as trying to figure out what, uh, what I want and, and what happiness means for me there. Because I think I've I've got it sort of figured out on the on the personal side. Huh. Before we talk about that, like where where you are now and what you need to do now, I'm curious. Um, would you say that your shift towards improving yourself as a parent um, is the result of having already done your own work and like becoming your best self? before becoming a parent or is it because of a shift in your values at, after becoming a parent? Or is uh, it a combination? I think it's, I think it's more the latter um, because I definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, I definitely wasn't someone who worked on myself prior to having kids. Um, and my wife can attest to that. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I kind of always lived on the surface Right. And I was always pretty carefree, you know, like I said, get, it would always take a lot to get me flustered. And, um, you know, I mentioned that kind of being raised with shame thing uh, at the beginning. And that was something that I, I only recently uncovered, you know, in the last, well, since I've had kids in the last maybe 10 years. Um, so it, it definitely did not happen that way. So it was more of like, okay, now I have kids now let's really focus on what's what's important um and and sort of a, a maybe trivial example of that i guess is that uh, it, i really enjoy watching football uh and i would always get really worked up about it right so if my team wasn't winning i'd get really mad and um you know get really emotional i could kind of feel it in my chest but once I had kids, then it was like, oh, now I can really see what's important. And it's not sitting here watching and getting upset about football. <laughs> um, and so that was sort of a, a sort of a, a silly little example of that value shift, but it definitely yeah. did happen that way. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Re reprioritizing things and yeah, stacking values in order. Hmm. I, I have a question, Paul. Yeah. Um, how do you think having children of your own helped you work through what happened in your childhood? You know, you kind of talked briefly about the shame that was kind of associated with that. Yeah. Like how did having your kids help you work through that? I'm so curious. Well, it definitely, um, you know, I have this, this goal to not, to not use shame as a discipline tool. Um, and it, it, it wasn't something that, that was immediately obvious to me that I was doing. Um, you know, my wife has helped me to see that in me and, and in my tendencies. Um, and even just the other day, she, she kind of called me out on it. Um, but, you know, having the, having the kids just to be able to say, oh, this is, you know, the words that I say matter and the way that I say them matters because I've, I've felt that from the child's standpoint. And I, you know, I was able to, to kind of see the parallels, I guess, in the things that my kids would do and what I did when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, seeing how I react to that kind of has led me to, to realize that, oh, I see how, you know, when I was a kid, I remember this XYZ event happened and this is how I felt about it. Um, and so it, it kind of did lead me down that path of kind of exploring, uh, exploring what that meant. And I, I remember the first time I had heard that sort of that phrase, toxic shame, uh, my wife and I were doing some, uh, counsel, marriage counseling and, and had a really good counselor at the time. And she brought it up and I'd never heard it before, but as soon as she brought it up, I, I, I remember I started bawling because it really hit home. Uh, and then I could, and then it all kind of, all the pieces kind of fell together at that point. Um, and, and I can now, now seeing my mom interact with my kids, I see even some of the same tendencies in her toward them. Uh, and it really kind of hits home for me as, okay, that's how I was raised. And that's why I do some of the things the way I do. Wow. That's, that's so interesting. It's like, you know, healing is everywhere. You just have to you know, just, just look for it and, and notice what's going on. Yeah. I think that's so cool that, you know, something that you struggled with as a kid is now being handled or dealt with or changed now that you have your own kids. So it's like you get to relive the past, which, you know, can be kind of fun to relive your own childhood and think about yeah. certain things <laughs> that happened. And then you're like, you have this like different third person perspective, like, Oh, I see the interaction between child and parent. And now I'm the parent and I can, it's just, that's so cool. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it's always, it's interesting. And, and I'm so thankful to have that sort of third person view of things because when you're in it, you don't always see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's true for a lot of kids. Yeah. And their parents, you know, you you don't see what the parents, you have no idea that the parent even has thoughts. You're just, this is my life. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So 
something else you were you're starting to talk about was how you are working to uncover your happiness at work and how you know you're still that's kind of like the new frontier for you um, yep. you want to talk more about that yeah so i think um you know kind of kind of my my backstory is i was a, a software developer for you know a number of years a long time <laughs> uh, and then was promoted to being a manager uh, and at the time i thought oh, you know i don't not that i'm not the young guy anymore um you know learning all the new technology that changes every day is not something that i you know want to do in my free time, you know, I want to spend my free time with my family and my kids. Um, and so management seemed like a good, uh, you know, a good way for me to, to get away for separate myself a little bit from the technology. So I did that for a number of years. Um, and then what I, and it was something that I never, I swore I would never do, or I never could <laughs> see myself at, you know, I thought I'll be a developer until I retire. Um, and so about six years in COVID hit uh, and then, you know, everybody's working from home and just the, all the stress of it and everything that was going on during 2020, it really caused me to, to take a step back and, and look at my career and, you know, what was it really that I wanted? And I wasn't enjoying work anymore. Uh, and that was, that bothered me. And so I ended up giving up my management role to go back to being just a, a senior, a senior programmer, senior developer. Um, and I, and I, I guess at the time I kind of rationalized that thinking that, you know, this is what, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot because of COVID and this is kind of what I really want. Um, and so there was that switch in me, right? And that was about a year ago. And now, you know, I'm, I'm trying to start this or, you know, kind of start and build this coaching business um, where I'm coaching managers. Uh, and I'm finding that I really do have a passion for helping people and, and leading people. And that's always been something that's been important to me is to, to have my job and my career make a difference. Mm. Um, you know, and, and in the past it's always been, Oh, what kind of, what kind of software can I write? What kind of applications can I create that will make a difference for somebody? Um, and, and you know, now I'm seeing that, uh, while, you know, probably, uh, maybe not easier, but uh, a great way for me to make an impact and to make a difference is to be a great manager. And some of my former team team members have given me some really good feedback about the time that they were, you know, kind of working for me. And that really made me think, oh, it was clear that I, I really did make a difference in these people's lives. Uh, and that, that got me kind of to the point where now I'm thinking again, well, you know, maybe, maybe developer is not the role. Uh, I think I, I could again, be a really good manager. Um, and so it's that that I that kind of chasing whatever I'm feeling at the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Is the the thing that I maybe struggle with and try and and it always changes, right? So 
first I was their manager and then I wasn't and now I'm thinking about it again. So just trying <laughs> to reconcile just, you know, what the heck is going on in my head <laughs> um, with where I want to be. So that's that's the the kind of ongoing challenge for me is to see if I can figure out how to point myself in, in one direction and, and march that way for a while. That's, that's really nice that you're able to, you know, you made a decision based off your family because you thought being a manager was going to be best for everybody. Yeah. And then you, then you were like, oh, well, I don't really like this. But outside of you, it seems like everybody was like, hey, Paul, you're an awesome manager. Like, mm. We really liked you as a manager. And yeah. you're like, no, I just don't know yet. I just, I, I still like what I used to do. <laughs> yep. And yeah, now you're, you're seeing that there's like, there's a middle ground. Right. Right. And I think, you know, uh, I, I think probably still being, for me, still being involved on the ground and, and in the details uh, yeah. as a manager is, is where my sweet spot is uh, rather than, you know, focusing solely on, on, you know, strategic vision and, and, and at that kind of management level where I was, uh, which wasn't for me, but I think, you know, being involved in the day to day is, is where I can add the most value and, and be the happiest myself. Yeah, I think that's like really important though. Like, you know, if you have a, a manager who's in a silo and then you have all your developers in another silo, like how, how is anything ever going to get done? Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what, um, <laughs> through this, this process of, I've been doing this sort of this coaching business and trying to, you know, make relationships with people um, online and I, I've been reading um, in some of these, uh, you know, Facebook groups and, and Reddit subreddits. Um, there's a lot of frustration out there from uh, people in general, um, in, in all industries, really, uh, with their managers. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, and what I've seen is that a lot of managers are frustrated as well because they're at being asked to do things that. Uh, you know, they're, they don't necessarily have the skills to do. Yeah. And I think that there's a big, I think a lot of people could be a lot happier if the people who were in management positions could figure out how to do, you know, how to be more effective, how to, how to lead more with uh, empathy and honesty. Uh, And so that's, you know, I've seen proof of that uh, in some of these groups, and, and I'm hoping that I can help to maybe do my little part to turn that around. I really, I really like that because, like, a business is a business; it's not a person. A business is comprised of people, yeah. And in order for a business to work correctly, the people have to work together. Yeah, and it, it's cool that you know, you were a manager and then, or you were a software developer and then a manager and you see the importance of being with the people that are helping take the business to the next level or, you know, get to that next goal because 
you have to include that. Everybody's got to be included because that just makes everybody happier when you're not just like a person just to do this thing. Like you're included in something larger than yourself. Yeah. And you have to be able to, to see that, you know, and you have to sometimes help other people to see, you know, that they're, they're having an impact on the larger, you know, the people around them and, and the larger team and, and sort of organizational goals. It makes a big difference. Yeah. Huh. All right. So we're going to move on to the next question. All right. And, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit. So answer this as you may. <laughs> who, who do you want to be? You know, um, at, at this point, I'm going to probably just talk in, in vague terms or general terms. Um, so, you know, I want to be someone who can look back, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm older and grayer and say, uh, you know, I, I was able to, to have a positive effect on people's lives. Um, and obviously you want to be able to do that for my family. And, um, but for me, I think also just to be able to help people who aren't in my family, I want, I want to be able to look back and say, yeah, I, uh, you know, I put good out into the world and, and I helped some people, um, really kind of find what they wanted and, uh, and make their way through lives successfully. Um, and I think that's, you know, where I can find my happiness in, in having done that. Um, you know, I want to continue to be someone who, uh, who's, who can exhibit a lot of patience. Um, I want to grow in my capacity for empathy. That's something that, that I've always, um, kind of struggled with a little bit. Um, so I, for, for, me as a as a person, those are kind of some of my high level goals of of who I want to be. Somebody somebody with empathy who uh, really has helped a number of people. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks. If, if you could sum that up by just completing this sentence, um, as if it was you know like maybe a eulogy or a legacy. <laughs> okay. Paul. Paul was greatest Paul is was known for being the greatest at blank wow Paul was known for being the greatest at or the greatest blank I think at um the greatest at showing people how to be their, how to be their best selves. Awesome. I love that. Oh, that's good. Short and sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Write that down somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. <laughs> well, it'll be in a recording, so don't worry. Hey, all right. I'll always be with you now. <laughs> all right. So, how are you going to get there? How are you going to take the steps to 
teach people empathy and you know, be more empathetic yourself. Small, small things you could do today, tomorrow, or big things in the, in the broader picture, you know, kind of just trying to see what steps you could take to, to make sure that when you're only gray, that you're like, man, I'm glad I started taking those steps to be more empathetic. Yeah. So, um, some of the things that, you know, I've, I've started doing, um, and hope to continue again, sort of that, uh, following that daily routine and making sure that, um, some, some, uh, meditation and sort of mental, uh, attention to my mental state is in there. Um, making sure that I am always focused on gratitude and understanding that the, the people in my life have their own things that they're working through. Um, one thing that I, I do want to get better at and, and a, a step that I'll take is, uh, you know, just practicing listening, um, you know, as, as a, as an introvert, um, you know, I'm, I'm not someone who always feels like I have to say something, um, you know, and so I feel like maybe I have a, a leg up on that, but practicing sort of listening, not to respond, but to understand. And so that's, and kind of exposing myself. And this is, this is the thing that's probably the the most challenging is to exposing myself to new relationships where I can have the opportunity to practice listening um, with, you know, friends and coworkers and, 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 you know, clients, that kind of thing. Um, so th- having that daily routine and exposing myself to new relationships and being able to have conversations and, and listen to where people are and help them figure out how to get to where they want to be. So I guess, um, you know, those are the things that I want to practice as far as steps to getting to where I want to be. That's cool. When, when you say being a better listener, what are you listening for? In general? You know, I, I think um, I want to listen for uh, patterns and what people are saying. Mm-hmm. Um you know, which, which really means that uh, need to have, you know, more than one-off conversations with people um, because I want to be able to figure out, I want to, I want to grow the ability in myself to figure out what's underneath mm-hmm. the surface of what people are, are really saying. Um, you know, it, you know, I can always ask people what they're struggling with, um, if people are like me, they might not know what they're struggling with. Um, but through conversations and, and talking with people over, you know, a more extended period of time, I would love to be able to, to help people get underneath, you know, what it is they're experiencing day to day to see the patterns in, in their lives and figure out how those things are affecting their day to day. Wow. Yeah, that's so what, incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so so what they're saying without saying it. Right. Which 
Uh-huh. And that's that's like where the real the real meat of the matter is. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> yeah, I think there's been a lot of studies done about nonverbal communication. Oh yeah. And, and that so much more gets across that isn't the actual words that we're saying. Like the content doesn't really even matter. And that's something that I've been practicing in my own relationships that when like exactly what you said, listening to see what's underneath, like what feeling is trying to be conveyed and not to get distracted by the content or more importantly, not to get triggered by the content because we all know we're bringing (laughs) our own stuff to every conversation. And it'd be so hard to pay attention to what the other person is actually trying to convey when a word or a sequence of words that someone else says, like we, we grip onto it and make it all about us because we're distracted by the content. And instead we completely miss what's trying to actually be shared. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. And it dawns on me that it's really interesting to think about how to do that in today's environment where so much of communication happens, you know, with text rather than speech or, you know, face-to-face communication that makes, that's got to be a a lot bigger challenge. I think we're missing 90% at least of what's, what's, you know, trying to be communicated. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I just recently became a a moderator on a Facebook group and there's like 8,000 people in there. And um, one thing I, I think like is interesting about what you just said about how do we see what people are really trying to say, like behind the words Mm -hmm. in, in a, in a digital world. And when I'm going through and, you know, either accepting or declining people to enter this group, I mean, there's like 60 to 70 people a day that want to get in. Oh, wow. And a lot of the times like they may or may not answer the questions. So I have to like really quickly, cause I'm not going to spend a minute or I'm not going to spend right. a minute yeah. to figure out <laughs> whether or not these people need to get in because there's a lot to do. So it's just like, I have to use all these nonverbal clues to understand like, what is this person? Why are they trying to get in this group? Are they a person that genuinely, genuinely really wants to be there? Or are they trying to promote themselves? Are they trying to sell something? And it's interesting because I'm starting to get pretty good at it. I can, as Facebook (laughs) will show you like some pictures and where they're from and like their their name okay and a lot of the times people's like names like mine's bill welch their name will be like you know buy this from me and <laughs> their pictures will be like a whole bunch of like advertisements and i just see a little thumbnail like, all right well i don't know anything about you but decline because yeah see <laughs> by all these nonverbal clues that you don't belong to this group that's a good point yeah and it's just, we, have, we do have so much information in the digital world that yeah. we can we can dig out, you know? Really just got to know where to look else. for it. Yeah. And train, train the eye and the mind to really understand what's going on there. And it's all about repetition, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> cool. 
All right. Well, I think we're on to the bonus question. All right. All right. You ready? <laughs> no, but go ahead. <laughs> it won't hurt. I promise. Um, you ha- you have the freedom of choice here to answer in any way you feel comfortable. All right. Uh, it's not that tough. Well, I don't think it is, but what's the greatest risk you've ever taken? The greatest risk I've ever taken. I think, um, you know, without overthinking it, uh, I think I would say having kids, uh, you know, I, you can't ever, you can't wait until you're hundred percent ready because you'll never do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, kind of jumping into that world of parenthood without, without really knowing what's going to be involved. Uh, you know, it, it's what I've learned in the past 17 years of doing it is that, you know, nobody's experience is the same and you can read all the books you want about how to do it. But the reality is that you're going to learn as you go. And so you got to jump into it, not knowing where it's going to lead. And so I think, uh, I think that was probably my biggest risk that I've taken. And, And, you know, honestly, the biggest reward that I've, that I've had as well, you know, which is, uh, you know, not an uncommon thing to, to think about is the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's how I would answer that one. Thank you so much. That's yeah. You bet. Thank that's you. a good one. As someone who doesn't <laughs> yet have any children, um, like, you know, your advice really hits home because that is probably my biggest fear, but yeah. also what I want most for the rest of my life. So they come hand in hand, risk and reward. Right. Right. Yep. It's, it's not easy, but it, uh, you know, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. Ah, oh, cool. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Um, all right. And then the last thing that we do is share a quote and just get your reactions, like initial impressions. Um, cool. And this quote is from Eleanor Roosevelt, activist, right. uh, first lady to FDR. And here's the quote. Happiness is not a goal. It is a byproduct. What does that mean to you? It's, it's interesting that that's the quote. Um, I know. <laughs> Because the last maybe two months or so, I've really, I've been, you know, listening to podcasts and, and, and uh, kind of trying to change the way I think about things and really have changed my mindset in that I'm not going to try to focus on one goal. And then when I get there, I'll be happy. Mm. Right. So it's, it's being happy with the process, which I, I know it's not the first time I'm saying this, <laughs> um, yeah. but I think, you know, it's, it's being grateful for what you have and not for what you're going to, what you're going to have at some point. Um, and just figuring out how to be happy with the process, the, the daily grind. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, right. Yeah. And if you can fall in love with that, then it's a lot easier to be happy with, with where you are. Well, and you don't have to try to, you don't have to try to think that your happiness is coming from a certain goal or a certain achievement. Happiness can be like, like she says, a byproduct of, of what you're doing day to day. Yeah. Now that, yeah. yeah, I thought, <laughs> I thought right? that was perfect for you <laughs> based on everything that you said, because I selected that quote before we started this conversation. Uh, I was going to ask, have you been looking at quotes while we were talking? <laughs> no, it was, you know, I mean, sometimes like I'm a little choosy, but yet, I mean, that was, I picked it before it was written down before we even started, but from the very beginning with the like, what does uncovering happiness mean to you? What, where are you on your journey? Who do you want to be? Like all the questions have literally tied into that. Like your explanation of what makes you happy is wanting other people to discover the best version of themselves and yeah. to be the best that they can be. And that by helping and leading people, you feel happy. And it's just amazing. Like that quote really sums it up. It sure does. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm going to write that one down. Mm -hmm. Happiness is not a goal. It is a byproduct. All right. Well, Paul, congratulations. You made it to the end. Hey, all right. That was fun. Awesome. Uh, Once again, we just wanted to thank you for being here. It was a great time talking with you and connecting. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Yeah, we learned more about just your words today. We kind of had a a glimpse into who you are, your past, present, and future self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you guys for for inviting me to do this with you. It was really fun. Of course, of course. We also want to thank all our listeners out there, and we wanted to let everybody know that we have a worksheet available to help you uncover your happiness. It is a free resource we made for you, and it will lead you to find out who you are now, who you want to be, and how you're going to get there. If you want to link, if you want the link to the worksheet, it'll be listed below. And if you're interested in being on the podcast, there will be a link to connect with us as well. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Peace.